God's blessings to you and welcome to our podcast, our worship service remote for Plains, United Methodist Church of Plains, and for First United Methodist Church of West Pittston, Pennsylvania. Our scripture readings for later in the service are Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and John 3, 14 through 21. I am Reverend Tenny Hutchinson Rupnick, and my email address is ten. H-U-T-R-U-P at gmail.com. That's T-E-N-H-U-T-R-U-P at gmail.com. Please send me any prayer requests you have and let me know if they're private in nature or if it's okay to share them on the next week's podcast so that our church family may be praying for you. Our prayer requests for our charge for this week are for continued healing for Nick Bear and Craig Davis, for John Eichmann for healing, for Brendan, Katie Amara, the family of Ann Wasco, the loved ones of Jack Skursky, for Andy and Andrew, Keith, Clyde Dukes, and Bill Lohman, for Joe Williams for healing and recovery. For people who deal with deep shame. For those struggling with grief. For little Nate Gray. For all our health care workers and first responders, all our governmental, civic, and church leaders. The fourth Sunday in Lent, March 14th, 2021. Our first hymn for this morning is number 77 in the hymnal and is entitled, How great thou art. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God his Son not sparing sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of 
acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then i shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my god how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art our gathering meditation for this morning is taken from hebrews chapter 4 verses 13 and 16 and before him no creature is hidden but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our invocation. Father in heaven, the light of your truth bestows sight to the darkness of sinful eyes. May this season of repentance, this Lent, Bring us the blessing of your forgiveness and the gift of your light. Grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our call to worship is taken from Psalm 107. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For God's steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. For when we cried to the Lord in our trouble, then God saved us from our distress. Let us thank the Lord for his steadfast love. We do give thanks to the Lord, for our God's love lasts forever. Our prayer of invocation. O Lord, our God, we praise you for your mercy and grace. Help us, now and always, but especially during this season of Lent, to be about coming closer and closer to you. Grant that we have a hunger and thirst that can only be satisfied through relationship with you. Allow us to live a life of true discipleship. Help us, Lord, to be an obedient and loving people. In the name of your Son, our Savior, these things we pray. And all God's children say, Amen. Let's join together now in our confession of faith, the Apostles' Creed saying what we believe, and believing what we say. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 
Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. And now we come to the time in our podcast in which we have the children's message. One of my favorite Bible verses begins, For God so loved the world. I was thinking about that verse this week and was wondering how great God's love is and how we could measure it. So this morning, I want you to think of several things we often use to measure stuff. Measuring cup, a tape measure, and a watch. Think of these things. I think they might help us measure God's love. Let's see. Now, sometimes we measure ingredients. If I were making some cookies, which of those tools would I use to make sure that I put in exactly the right amount of flour and sugar and milk? Would I use a measuring cup, a tape measure, or a watch? That's right. Bakers use a measuring cup for measuring the ingredients for cookies and other yummy treats. But I wonder if we might use a measuring cup to measure God's love. The Bible said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, my cup runneth over. Well, if our cup runs over with God's love, I guess we couldn't use a measuring cup to measure it, could we? If we were building something, which of these tools would we use to measure the length, width, and height of different things? Would we use a measuring cup, a tape measure, or a watch? If you said a tape measure, you were right. We'd use a tape measure. But I wonder if we might use a tape measure to measure God's love. The Bible tells us that God's love is higher than the heavens. If God's love is higher than the heavens, I don't think we could use a tape measure to measure it, could we? And finally, which of these tools would I use to measure time? The measuring cup, the tape measure, or the watch? Of course, we use a watch to measure, measure time, or some of us use a clock on the wall or, or the clock on our cell phones. I wonder if we could use a watch to measure how long God's love will last. The Bible tells us that God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. Wow. If God's love is from everlasting to everlasting, I guess we couldn't measure it with a watch, could we? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. How do you measure a love like that? We can't measure it. And you know what? We don't need to. We just need to accept it and be thankful for it. My prayer for you today is that you may understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience it. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your love. A love so great that you gave your one and only son so that we could live eternally with you, our creator and our friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our next hymn for this morning is number 301 in the hymnal and is entitled, Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross. 
Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river near the cross a trembling soul love and mercy found me there the bright and morning star shed its beams around me in the cross in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river near the cross o lamb of god bring its scenes before me help me walk from day to day with its shadow o'er me in the cross in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river near the cross i'll watch and wait hope trusting ever till I reach the golden strand just beyond the river in the cross in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Our prayer for illumination. Draw us ever closer, Holy Spirit, as the scriptures are read and the word is proclaimed. Let the word of faith be on our lips and in our hearts and let all other words slip away. May yours be the one voice we hear today, the voice of grace and truth. Amen. Our epistle reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. This is Paul speaking to the folks at Ephesus. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seats us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And our gospel reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Jesus is speaking here. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our message for today is entitled, Naked and Unafraid. There are words we don't like. As human beings, as communicating and feeling beings, there are words that just gross us out or rub us the wrong way. Some of our word dislike is more lighthearted. I've heard, for instance, people say that they hate the word moist. My daughter is one of those people, actually. She said to me, ugh, I hate the word moist. And then, in one case, she did a serious but also playful shiver. Some of our word dislike comes from the fact that specific words are harder to say, like anonymity. That's a tough one for me. Or rural. <laughs> Lugubrious. Or Worcestershire. I don't even know if I'm saying the last one right. Other words we don't cotton to because we don't like the meaning behind them like fester and phlegm and pustule. And some, well, some words we don't like because of what they may entail, what their presence might lead to. Like the words cancer diagnosis or IRS audit or exposed. Yeah, exposed. That's the one I would really like to talk about today, the word exposed. Since time before time, since Adam and Eve wandered in their garden paradise and made that very bad decision to take the advice of a talking snake, the word exposed has taken on a threatening, a dangerous meaning for us. Ever since they suddenly longed for fig leaf or palm leaf skivvies to cover up their just-realized nakedness, the possibility of being exposed, the reality of exposure, drove them to action as it fueled their fear. The fear of exposure is so deeply ingrained, so undeniably a part of our psyche and our psychosis that one of the most commonly occurring dreams for people just about everywhere is that one where you are at school or work or strolling nonchalantly through the grocery store or mall and you look down just to realize that you are not clothed missing pants or without an outfit altogether. And then, for those of us who have had dreams like this, 
Then the embarrassment and shame floods in. How did I let this happen? How did I forget my pants? How do I get to my classes or sneak out of here without anyone else knowing? Sometimes we will duck behind something else to hide. Sometimes we will just wake ourselves up and put an end to it. Silly, really, those dreams. As if anyone could just forget to get dressed. But we believe them when they're playing out in our sleeping minds, and they are upsetting to us because everyone hates to be exposed. It's one of the reasons why shows like Naked and Afraid have such appeal to such a wide audience. Because while most of us have not been helicoptered into some remote desert island or tropical jungle site and left there in nothing but our birthday suits, we can still all relate. We can relate to the vulnerability, the danger, the fear. We would never want that level of exposure for ourselves, and so we can't help but be intrigued by those who would voluntarily undergo it, who would actually be willing to try it. Now, just so you know, it's entirely appropriate that we be talking about exposure today, that we be mentioning nakedness on this, the fourth Sunday in the season of Lent and from this podcast. It's entirely appropriate because, though it may not be immediately obvious, there's a deeply embedded theme of the fear of exposure, of nakedness that is threaded, that is woven throughout our narrative from John for today. From the section of scripture that that holds perhaps the most recognized verse of all of our Holy Bible, from the second of, section of scripture that holds the infamous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Appropriate because this text that we so often take out of context, in this text, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus on a roof under the cover of night. Do you remember the scene? The one in which that Pharisee and politician Nicodemus was curious about this popular teacher named Jesus and wanted to meet him wanted to meet this Jesus he had heard so much about, but yet Nicodemus was also at the same time afraid to, afraid to meet him because of the bad press he might get if he did. And so Nicodemus snuck out in the dark, and he met up with Jesus in secrecy and under the relative safety of a starlit sky. This was his way of ducking behind something else so that he could hide so that he wouldn't be immediately exposed, exposed as someone who might want to hear what this controversial teacher named Jesus had to say, exposed as someone who might be sympathetic to this new cause. And yeah, this famous, famous verse of John 3.16 is from that conversation, from the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus, from the talk they had about religion and salvation and God and heaven that talk they had in the dark. And if you pay close attention, you'll see that Jesus is telling Nicodemus within the clothing of that nighttime conversation, that Jesus is telling Nicodemus after he says that Moses lifted the serpent and that God so loved the world that he sent his son so that the world might be saved through him, that Jesus is then saying to Nicodemus, this is the judgment. This is the judgment. Because he says, And this, Nicodemus, is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light 
because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Wow. Quite the statement to a man who just traveled through the dark to see you, Jesus. Step on any toes lately, Jesus? But I don't think Jesus was labeling Nicodemus as evil or or putting him in the category of those who love the dark. As much as he was saying to Nicodemus, come fully into the light. Do not be afraid to let your deeds be clearly seen. Do not be afraid to be exposed. Nicodemus, be like Adam and Eve originally were and be naked and unafraid. And why should he be naked and unafraid? And and how could he be totally exposed and unfearful? Well, because of all the rest. Because Moses did lift up that serpent in the wilderness as evidence of God's love and as salvation to the bitten and dying Israelites so that they may look at it and be healed and live. Because God did send his son so that his creation may look upon his son and be healed that they might find salvation and live. So yes, Nicodemus, do not fear exposure. Be naked and unafraid. So yes, children of God, do not fear that dreaded word exposed, that dreaded state of exposure. Be naked and unafraid. Now, am I asking you all to strip out of your clothes right here and now? Oh, heavens no. None of us wants that. But I am suggesting that we take this opportunity of Lent to become less afraid of being transparent, of being exposed, of being clearly seen spiritually and as Christ's disciples. I am suggesting that we do strip ourselves of our false fronts and of our constructed facades and that we become more open and honest and free that we in our way feel unafraid enough to walk through those school hallways or grocery store aisleways of our spirituality and of our discipleship, naked and unafraid, naked as in fully exposed, unafraid as in confident that God so did love the world and that we do believe, so that we can march out and forth without having to think of ducking behind anything, so that our false fronts can crumble and we can be truly seen. You want to know something? I am a sinner. I am, me, a pastor in the United Methodist Church. And I'm not proud of it. And I fight against it all the time and every day. But I am. And you know what else? While I will never be proud of it, and while I will continue to fight until my dying breath, in the face of that truth and knowledge that I am a sinner and always will be, I am unafraid. Because God so loved the world. Because God so loves me. Can you confidently say the same? I hope you can. I sincerely do hope so because it is so very freeing to finally and fully be able to be naked and unafraid 
naked in that we can be finally and fully real with ourselves and others, you know, and that no pretending is needed and that we can be our most authentic selves, the real me and the real you that God created us to be. Praise be to our Lord. Naked and that we can be open about our faults and failings, you know, so that no hiding is necessary any longer Because while we are not proud of our sinful natures, we do firmly believe that we are God-loved and God-saved anyway. Praise be to God. Naked, and that we will no longer have to duck and hide. No longer have to be sneaking through the dark of the night when we should really and only be out and in the light. Alleluia and amen. So in this season of Lent, everyone, let's see what we can do about trusting God just a bit more and allowing ourselves to get good and exposed spiritually, becoming transparent and authentic in our discipleship and striving to always, always pull ourselves away from and out of our ducking into and hiding places and to come out and into the light. Because, and after all, There was this man once, a good man, who helped others and healed others, who spoke truth and gave life, who taught and loved and loved and loved. And he was tortured for it, put to death for it. Even though he could have gotten out of it at any moment, he allowed it to happen. He embraced the circumstances and the pain because of his love for others and because of his belief that his suffering and obedience could make, would make a difference. And so he was captured and beaten. He was ridiculed and stripped. He was tortured and put to death. And his lifeless body was taken down from where it hung and moved to a tomb, a dark, dank place where there was nothing, no warmth, no life, nothing. Until, as the first day of the week was dawning, when the earth shook and the stone was rolled away, and that man, that good man, that man who helped and healed and loved others, that man who gave up everything of himself for others, when that good man moved up from and out of that dark, dank death, Until that man got up and out and into the light, that man, our Savior, our Jesus, our light, the light of the world. He did all that, all of that. So all of God's children, all of God's Adams and Eves, all of God's heirs to God's kingdom could once again be naked and unafraid. After all, and remember... God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. After all, and always remember, by grace, you have been saved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may we once again be naked and unafraid. Amen.
I'm going to read our next hymn for this morning, number 365 in our hymnal. Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount, outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Sin and despair, like the sea waves cold, threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide, brighter than snow you may, you may be today. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you, this moment, his grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. At this point in our podcast, we remember our call to support our churches with our time, our talents, and our treasure. And so I say now, as I say every week, just as our Almighty God gave entirely of God's self for our sakes, we are likewise called to give of ourselves for the sake of others. Let us pray. God of light, you gave us your only Son so that we may experience eternal life. We humbly give these offerings as a faithful response to this gift. Money, time, talents. They seem so insignificant when compared to your gift of life. Yet we place all these things before you as a sacrificial gesture of our gratitude to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's children say, Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above, ye heavenly host. Praise Creator Christ and Holy Ghost. Amen. And now as we have so gathered, not together in body physically, but still together as the body of Christ, let us bend the knees of our hearts and bow our heads before our Creator, Sustainer, and Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. When we call, answer us. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. Come and listen to us. Merciful God, full of grace, hear our prayers of confession and our prayers of need in these next few moments of silence. Sweet and precious God, almighty and awesome in glory, yet so near 
and so concerned about our hearts. Thank you for loving us and for knowing us with your everlasting love. Time and time again, we have messed up and relived the oh-so-common, if you get me out of this, I will never do it again. We have attempted to bargain a favor on a promissory note that we make void daily. But thank you, God, that even though you know we are headed to sin again, you not only still love us unconditionally, but you offer us forgiveness, the opportunity to have a clean record, a get-out-of-jail-free card that bears the title, New Grace and Mercy Every Morning. So allow us, O God, to not become complacent in our daily journey. Forgive us for not moving as fast as we should have in the past to be about helping those in need when we could have. Give us the wisdom to see beyond the transitory things of life and help us to find you and your sustaining presence that we may be a blessing to others. Thank you for being sovereign in our lives, giving us the power to speak over our own lives and over the lives around us. And thank you for helping us to love one another with the love of Christ. We will continue to give you glory, honor, and praise, believing that your grace is sufficient enough for us and your love endures forever. It is in the matchless name of Jesus that we pray and continue to as he taught us to, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our final hymn this morning is number 327 in the hymnal and is entitled, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns, all music but its own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee. And hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Crown him the Lord of life who triumphed o'er the grave and rose victorious in the strife for those he came to save. His glories now we sing who died and rose on high who died eternal life to bring and lives that death may die crown him the lord of peace whose power a scepter sways from pole to pole that wars may cease and all be prayer and praise his reign shall know no end and round his pierced feet 
Fair flowers of paradise extend their fragrance ever sweet. Crown him the Lord of love, behold his hands and side. These wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. All hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. Thy praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. Before we take our leave now of one another and from this podcast, may we recite the Wesleyan Covenant prayer together. I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. And now, may you go into the days of this week and deeper into the season of Lent, strong in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and confident that God goes with you. Shalom to you now, shalom my friends. May God's full mercies bless you my friends. In all your living and through your loving, Christ be your shalom, Christ be your shalom.